and good evening and a very warm welcome to Camelot Castle TV Network and it is lovely to see you all here and of course tonight we are blessed and honoured to receive again at our home Dr Sherry Tenpenny um, and we specifically asked her to come on to try mm. to make sense of our Prime Minister's uh, initiative with Gavi which is the vaccination uh, symposium that's occurring in London at the moment, uh, which, as far as we can read from the press, has raised billions and billions of dollars. Now, before we introduce Dr. Tempenny, what I can tell you is that we, uh, she is the most researched doctor that we have run into on the subject of vaccine safety. So if any of you have any questions on the subject of vaccine safety or what it means to have your family vaccinated or, you know, what are your opinions of the Gavi uh, operation that our dear Prime Minister is doing, uh, now is the time to mm -hmm. ask. Speak now or forever hold your peace. On the feed tonight will be people who are advising the Prime Minister and um, friends of his as well, actually school friends of his will be watching this. Um, so um, please do ask your questions. Irina will be looking down from time to time to try to monitor your questions. We're joined this evening by Amanda Eliash, who is a great fan of yours, by the way. She built she the- She asked me for Dr. Penny She to actually come asked, back on. asked for Dr. Tenpenny to come back on. She started Dr. Tenpenny, the multi-billion dollar Eliash Fortune, and she built that up. She's a great philanthropist in her own right, and she is somebody who you should definitely meet. She is hopping mad about this situation. I'm going to bring you on screen now, um, and welcome Dr. Sherry Tempenny. Welcome back. Uh, by the way, can I be the first to congratulate you on how your message has been reaching right into the heart of the White House. I know your ideas um, are definitely critical to the thinking of um, many people, either close to power or in power, uh, all over the world. And uh, how many interviews have you now done in the last um, <laughs> three weeks? Well, actually, actually in 60 days, days from, from April 1st to June, June April 3rd to June 3rd, I did 105 interviews. Wow. And to put that in context for people, I usually do 30, about 30 interviews a year. So, days, because some days I was doing three and four and five in a day, you know, and some of them, as you know, John, some of them are two, three and four hours long. So, you know, so it's probably 150 hours worth of uh, interview time, actually. Right. in the last 60 days Amazing. so and it's it's we've had and thanks to you thanks very much to you and Irina you know we've had broad audiences and been able to speak to people that um, never really gave this topic a thought and so and, and have really gone into areas where we haven't had an opportunity to speak to people before because mostly it feels for a lot of years you know I've been doing this for almost 20 years time and what happens a lot of times is you feel like you're either preaching to the choir or you're kind of screaming into the Grand Canyon and wondering if anybody's hearing you it just sounds like a big echo chamber back you know well it's not easy and it is certainly 
uh, what you've been doing, I think, I think God has been speaking through you. I think you uh, have really been doing a marvelous thing. And I know that when you first came on here at Camelot Castle, I was both shocked and alarmed mm. by the truths that you were speaking. Mm. And it takes tremendous courage to go up against what are now uh, multi-billion, if not trillion dollar interests, um, and to speak truth to power. Now, before we start here, I want to make it absolutely clear that neither my arena or myself we are not advising anybody medically. This is what we call a buyer beware broadcast. If you accept the data on here as true, that's up to you. Uh, Dr. Tenpenny is a doctor. She is a medical doctor. Um, but equally, she is expressing her views. These are her views. These are her professional opinions. If you accept those views, that's up to you. So there is, this, that is a total legal disclaimer. If, if, if you want to pay attention to this, that's up to you. If you don't want to, that's up to you. We say here at Camelot, the table was round for a reason. We are an international media portal that is uncensored, and we will be one of the last places to be censored. Mm. Um, so, having said that, Dr. Tenpenny, what are your views? First of all, what is Garvey? So that everybody can understand what Garvey is. And secondly, what are your views uh, about what's been going on? And yeah. Well, Gavi stands for the Global Alliance of Vaccination and Immunization. It was actually a kind of a product of a Bill Gates's brainchild. It was a it was a real Bill Gates game child back in I believe they started in about 2003, and that was during the time when Bill Gates had decided to make the time had, had really decided to get heavily involved in the vaccine industry, and he was looking at the way that they 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 weren't managed very well in his opinion in terms of um, using kind of the Intel concept of um, you know, uh, Intel meaning the microprocessor of competitive cooperation. And that's the Intel brought that that concept to market back. Oh, I'm going to say in the late 90s, maybe in the middle 90s of competitive cooperation, meaning in in areas where you can where you can cooperate, which you get like um, volume distributions or where you can form a united front and different different legal legal um, legal entities of how you can work together for a certain cause. You know, pool your resources so that the entire industry moves forward. And then the competitive part is what areas do you still remain competing in? Because you are businesses in a lot of ways that you're uh, vying for the same um, the, the same customers. So looking at that that um, that model that was used to really build the the uh, computer industry as we know it, um, that was uh, like I said, that was a brain brainchild of, of Intel. Um, Gates was trying to figure out how to apply that concept to, to the vaccine industry. And the, over the years, there have been a lot of um, a lot of things that have happened inside the industry. For example, there were many years which you could see they could be very competitive. And all five or six of the primary vaccine companies that are out there, they all wanted to make their own flu shots or their own pneumonia shots or whatever and compete against each other for, for, a, for a particular sector of the market. 
Well, one of the things that, that Gates brought was like saying, well, why are you guys doing that? And so during that time, you saw a contraction of the vaccine industry and you saw them, them buying people's out. I always think of it kind of like playing Monopoly, you know, you know, I'll sell Park Place if you buy this, you know, and they sort of move the pieces around on the board. So there was a consolidation during that time. And the other thing that, that Gates, so, so where Gabby came from was the idea that Gavi would be the money place that the money would slush through between various governments that would go into the wealth, the World Health Organization and UNICEF. And then Gavi would help build financially the, the infrastructure for the distribution of vaccines out through, through third world countries of like South America and Africa and you know Southeast Asia and places like that. So Gavi kind of acts as the pro procurement arm of the uh, of the vaccine industry. So they buy the vaccines from the manufacturer and they help to distribute it through uh, the, these channels to go into third world countries. And so it's funded heavily. It's hugely funded by the Gates Foundation and by by different governments. And it's kind of just like in, inside of a lot of foundations where the money just sort of sloshes around. Mm. Well, that's kind of what Gavi does. And what ended up happening is as they started getting all of these um, these uh, vaccines into particularly into Africa, they became also supply chains for other things, not such good. I mean, for other types of not good things, things like um, they would set up supply chains where they could get in medicine and maybe mosquito nets on the inroads, but on the outroads would be things like guns and violence and human trafficking. And, mm -hmm. and the UN has, has several times set up laws or not laws, but rules saying, you can't use humanitarian supply chains for illegal processes. And everybody goes, yeah, 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 whatever. And they do their own thing anyways. And so what Gavi really is, it's like the financial arm, the financial arm of where these things all come together. So anytime anybody wants more money, they always say for a project, a pet project. Like a couple of years ago, they, the, the pet project where they wanted like seven, $7 billion more money or or maybe, or maybe it was a little bit more than that, to completely eradicate polio. It was like, we are so close. We need billions and billions of dollars more. And to put that into perspective, I think during that time, there were maybe 100 cases of wild polio in the entire world of 7 billion people. But they needed you know, many billions of dollars more to finish this eradication process. And, and I've always thought about it because I've seen these things more than once. This isn't the first time. Mm -hmm. It's like, what are they doing with billions of dollars? I mean, polio vaccines, uh, just to manufacture them, literally cost pennies, literally cost pennies. And if you're only targeting certain areas in the world that where endemic wild polio viruses still remain, why do you need that much money? And what is it mm. that you're going to do with it? So when I listened to that little clip today that you sent me to, to review on, for, this, for, this, uh, for this discussion of, of Boris uh, saying, um, of your prime minister saying, yes, we need another $7.4 billion. For what? I mean, for what? Does that mean you're going to spend $1 per human being on the planet to make sure that they are more vaccinated than, than anybody else? Oh, no, that can't be right because we've got our own vaccine programs in Europe and in the United States and somewhat in South America, too. So, well, how many people are you really wanting to vaccinate? Let's get generous and say it's like one billion people and you need seven billion dollars for to to vaccinate more and more and more and more and more. I mean, it, these sorts of discussions that I hear, I hear it from NVAC, I hear it from the World Health Organization. You hear it through UNICEF uh, when you talk about vaccines in UNICEF. UNICEF does other things besides vaccines. Um, and then things like with Gavi and you sort of say, gee, wouldn't it be great if they could take that $7.4 billion 
of taxpayer money and put it into food and potable water and shelter and safety because of many of these places are violent and and there's there's high uh, incidences of, of rape and and, and incest and, and violence there and and education and perhaps electricity which is one of the things that we take so for granted in western countries but if third world countries could could get electricity then they could have refrigeration, which would keep their food safer. They could have electrical pumps for their water. They could perhaps have computers where they could have education. So we overlook the, the lack of electricity in some of these other places. What we couldn't do with $7 billion to do food, water, shelter, safety, and education, John? Just imagine what we could do with that. Well, I mean, uh, that amount of money in Africa would go a very, very long way. And of course, you know, what people forget, we, we, you know, we're used to having clean running water or relatively clean running water. Uh, but in Africa, sometimes people have to walk for several miles mm. to get fresh water. And, and China, too. And, China and other, too. like Southeast Asia sometimes. But China has a very shallow water table there, and they are so polluted because there's no, no, no even slight equivalent to the EPA in China. And, and if anybody wants to see something really, really gross, I mean really gross, mm -hmm. go out to Google or your favorite uh, search engine. Like I tend to use DuckDuckGo, but you know your and put in Wuhan environmental pictures, mm -hmm. and be prepared of how disgusting the environmental condition there is, particularly in water. And water was just unbelievably bad and, and pollution and garbage. And you wonder why like these, these virulent viruses, if you look back, bird flu, swine flu, and now the coronavirus all rose out of China or out of Southeast Asia. It's because of the filth conditions there. And those pictures are, are unbelievably disgusting. So that just goes to what you were saying about, um, about third world countries not having clean water. Mm -hmm. It's really, really, really very true. Well, I think you're right. Um, so what we've witnessed is, and what, what is quite odd to me is, is, is and, and what is interesting as well, is that this Garvey uh, sort of initiative was hosted in London, mm. which sort of speaks to how the deep state operates. And, you know, London has for a very long time been what I always call it the nest mm. of the deep state. This is where the real suppression on planet Earth really originated from the very early days of banking, from mm. the very early days of trade manipulation, from the very early days of even, uh, you know, listen, the British, we went to war twice for the right to sell opium into China. So, you know, the British track record with regard mm. to uh, scurrilous activity and what we're willing to do as a nation um, so it didn't surprise me at all that this symposium has been hosted in London. Mm. And, you know, this is very, very alarming. And I had uh, uh, messages all last night mm. from, uh, as I say, Amanda Eliash and also um, Letitia Cash, who, of course, is the, the daughter of Bill Cash, one of the great parliamentary uh, MPs, and very, very concerned that Boris has bought into all of this. Um, for those people that uh, are watching, and I thank you so much, please, if I could, there's a lot of people on the feed right now, um, please share this and share it now with everybody because the data that I'm, the question I'm about to ask is important. 
in very simple terms, are vaccines safe, in your opinion? Well, that's a pretty easy question, John. I can answer that with one word. No. <laughs> no. So absolutely not. They've never been proven to be safe. There's no long-term studies on vaccines. Some of the longer studies are up to 30 days, three zero, 30 days. Sometimes they only follow for side effects or reactions for four days, four. Um, sometimes it's two weeks. And never has a vaccine be, been tested against a true placebo, which is the gold standard of of, of investigations, of medical investigations, to take a, a product that is completely inert, which by definition is what a placebo is, a product that's completely inert, and compare a new product that you're trying to bring to market, a new vaccine you're trying to bring to market to see what the side effect profile is. You need to compare that to something that is inert, like a shot of sterile water or a shot of uh, of, of, uh, of saline, and, and they keep saying that they can't do that because the real vaccine kind of stings and hurts and a shot of sterile water really wouldn't. Well, they could manipulate the pH of that, of that, of that uh, shot of water so that it would feel similar to the, the shot of what has the real vaccine in it. There's all kinds it's of things that they could do that they claim you can't do. Mm. So if, when you're bringing something new to market, you want to, you want to see what is the true side effects of this product compared to something that's completely inert. But they don't do that. They compare the new product to the side effects of an existing product. And they call that existing product a placebo, or now they call it a comparator. We're comparing the side effects of one thing to the other. And this one we've already declared was safe and, and didn't cause any problems. So therefore, because we declared that it was safe, we can use that as a comparator to a new product that's being come to market, which is just scientific mumbo jumbo because that has nothing to do with the human body and what's actually happening inside of the body with both of those products, the existing one and the new one. So vaccines have never been tested adequately for safety. They've never been tested long-term. I mean, it can take weeks, months, maybe even years for an autoimmune or, a neuro or a neurological problem to evolve after someone has been injected with foreign carcinogens and animal blood and all these other things, that all the other ingredients that are in it. So no, vaccines have not been proven to be safe. Uh, to the contrary, vaccines are very unsafe. In fact, the U.S. government, the U.S. Uh, um, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court, has declared essentially that vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. And so that every and this is my opinion, that every single vaccine that is administered, every single vaccine that is administered, causes harm and causes damage to the recipient at some level. Now that may not be totally overt. It may not be that the person keels over with a grand mal seizure or that they don't stop breathing or there isn't something that happens like immediately, like an, like an anaphylactic shock. Mm -hmm. All those things can happen, but very few of them actually do. What is more likely that happens is that as you inject these solutions, and remember, most of the time when children go to get their two, four, six-month shot, they're getting multiple vaccinations at the same time. So the body is being insulted and assaulted by each one of those different chemicals, each one of the different proteins that are in there, each one of the different antigens in there in terms of the virus and bacteria that are all entering the body through an abnormal mechanism by your skin being punctured and injecting that into a muscle. 
And so, and we don't, and every every vaccine can cause damage at some level. And every single vaccine is an experiment because what's coming through that needle can be different from lot to lot to lot to lot of the, of the manufactured vaccine. And every single one of us on the planet is a complete and unique individual. So you get a solution of unknown things because it can vary from lot to lot based on the bovine serum, the eggs, the chicken fibroblasts, the different animal things that are in the vaccine. And then you get a human that's different at every level. So experiment plus experiment should never happen. It's a complete violation of the Nuremberg codes. It's a complete violation of the declarations of Helsinki. And it's for sure goes against the tenets of the International Medical Association. For a person to be experimented on under some guise of it's good for you, never been told the truth and never be, never be given the right to refuse. Wow. Now, just so that our viewers, we've got a lot of people watching here and we've got some very intelligent viewers on. I can see who's on here tonight. Um, as if they really want to research this subject, because you're so busy at the moment, I know you've got back-to-back -back interviews all today. We've only got you for an hour. So where can they do a deep dive on some of this research? What is your website uh, connection? How can they, I believe you do courses on this. How can they sign up for those courses and actually really educate themselves and educate others, more importantly? Well, the self-study place to go is uh, to the 10, it's tenpennyresearchlibrary.com, tenpennyresearchlibrary.com, where I've hired a researcher for the last 11 years we've been working on this, John, you know, that she works for me about 20 hours a week and she combs through all of the mainstream medical conventional journals, finding articles that show problems associated with vaccines. I mean, that's, that's not something you could just go out to PubMed and, and, and type in, show me at, at um, anti-vaccine articles or show me articles that show problems with vaccines. I mean, it just doesn't happen. And so she, she combs through and we have pulled out more than 12,000 articles, 12,000 articles from peer-reviewed literature showing problems associated with vaccines. And we put it into the tenpennyresearchlibrary.com and all you have to do, it's free. All you have to do is go and register and you do have to click on the, the confirmation email that you get and you just need to register. And then when you go back in on the first page, there's instructions at the top of the page on two different levels on, on how to maximize your search of what you're looking for. There's kind of a superficial search and then you can take a deep dive search. And it's spelled out pretty easily there at the top of the page to go and find issues with various, every single one of the vaccines cause problems. And the meta-analysis shows it even bigger. And so um, that's, that's the place if you just want to do your own independent research and you want to start looking for articles from peer-reviewed literature that support your position that vaccines are not safe, they don't keep you from getting sick, and they definitely cause harm. Well, now, there's other places where we teach courses, and you can find all of that information at coursesformastery.com. You can also find a link there to the library, too. It's, it's where all our Internet properties come together, is at courses, the number four, mastery.com. You know, um, it is brilliant. Now, tonight we're joined by Mary Darcy Hall, who is a very old friend of ours. Hello, Mary. Lovely to have you on the stream. This is one of the brightest opinion formulas in London. And um, what I'm interested to know, and I'm sure Mary would want to know as well, You've been campaigning on this line, as you say, for nearly 20 years? Right? Yep, 20 years. How, in your opinion, 
are the elites of this planet continuing to get away with it? Mm. How are they getting away with it? Because people are waking up, but they're waking up slower than I think I would want them to. And I think I'm sure they're waking up slower than you would want them to. Absolutely. You've been at it. And I just want to thank you so much. Actually, I can funny even story, John, because I really thought like right after I, I dug out, I spent like three months and dug out uh, hundreds of hours in the first three months. And I went back to Kathy Williams, who's one of the co-founders of the National Vaccine Information Center. And I said, Kathy, there is so much here. I mean, people, all people do is need to hear this and this whole thing should just stop and go away. It's so egregious. There's nothing to back it up. The science doesn't make sense. There's, it's such shoddy research. And what are they doing injecting these things into babies? I mean, seriously, seriously, Kathy, um, I, I am positive that if people just knew about this, this whole industry would just blow up and go away. Well, how naive was I, John? How naive was 20 I? 20 years later. <laughs> So, so, so how, how are they getting away with it? Money, power, control. You know, they have more money than God. They have the power, they have bought off all the politicians as we saw today with your prime minister with, with Boris Johnson. Mm -hmm. They have, they have, uh, there's two to three uh, lobbyists for every one person in Congress here in the United States. Mm -hmm. They have, they own the media. The media is nothing more than the, than the propaganda mouthpiece of the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, the United States and New Zealand are the only two countries that allow television advertising for phar pharmaceutical products. They, they, and so they can't say anything against the pharmaceutical industry because that would be biting the hand that feeds you of the billions of dollars of, of, uh, of advertising dollars that go in there. Um, they know, and, and then they co-opt the doctors at the medical school level. You know, they it costs a lot of money to become a doctor these days. And if you try to go, do anything outside the goose stepping of the mainstream message, you get sorely slapped back into place, either professionally or otherwise. I mean, they control the message. They and they control the message with power. And why are they so adamant about that? Why don't they just say, you know? Well, you know, if, if we could get 80% of the people to vaccinate or 75% of the people to vaccinate, that's good enough. I mean, heavens, we'll make billions and billions and even trillions of dollars off of this as each person that gets vaccinated is going to end up to be our customer for life because every single person at one level, either sooner or later, becomes sick. And when they become sick, we have lots of tests we can order, lots of blood tests we can order. And we have a big book of business called drugs that we can sell them to manage and suppress their symptoms and then deny that the vaccine ever caused any of this in the first place. Why wouldn't they just be happy with, say, 75, 85? In fact, they even say that there's a 92 percent globally, about 92 percent of people have vaccinated. Why don't they just leave the other 8 percent of us alone? Why don't they just say, you 8 percent over there, mm -hmm. you earthy, crunchy people, you guys that read labels and, mm -hmm. and you think that acupuncture is good and you'll do homeopathy and you'll take vitamins. Mm -hmm. You know, we're just going to let them go do their earthy, crunchy thing. Mm -hmm. Why don't they do that? In my opinion, it's because it's, there's a couple reasons. One is sooner or later, someone is going to or would have put up the couple million dollars mm. that it would take to do a very, very well-run and well-designed study of the health of vaccinated children compared to the health of unvaccinated children. Mm. And the health of unvaccinated children is just stellar. 
just stellar. They're not sick. They don't take chronic daily medications. They are inquisitive. They're bright. They do well in school. They're exceptionally smart children. You just, they, they almost stand out as like, like geniuses because all the rest of the kids sadly have been so suppressed and, and so brain injured by the vaccines. So in my opinion, and an opinion of a lot of people kind of the, of the circles I run in, they needed to get rid of the control group. They couldn't do it. They couldn't have a control group hanging out there that would blow their entire business model. Because remember, John and Arena, this has nothing to do with health, nothing. It has to do with control and it has to do with their business model. I mean, these people, you know, the good book of the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil, not money, the love of money. And what is the real definition of the love of money? It's greed. And so they could, this would, if, it, if the vaccine industry blew up and went away, it would destroy their business model of making people sick and creating customers for life and generating that over and over and over again. Because all of their, their blockbuster drugs, they get a patent that lasts about 22 years. A lot of them are rolling off patent and becoming generic drugs. There are only so many types of blood pressure or diabetes or, or, or pain medicines that you can possibly make. I mean, after all, they become what they call me too drugs. They're just, uh, they're, they're just uh, more of the same with a different name or a little different twist on, the, on their usage on it. That's all going away. So what did they decide to design in 2010 when they made this the decade of vaccines? They decided to prop up the pharmaceutical industry by making customers for life of children. This is an evil, sinister plan. And it's and, and what makes it even more sinister than just the pure non-ethics of injecting foreign matter into children, making them sick so you can so you can sell them drugs, their pills, pharmaceuticals the rest of their life. So, so I just is, that wanna... they, is that they painted it out to be something so necessary and so good. That's the parts of the evil part. Just something I picked opinion. up. There's something I picked up there from you. Are you saying that in your professional opinion, vaccines can cause brain damage? Oh, not can they, they do. I mean, it even says it on the package insert, they call it encephalopathy or encephalitis. Mm. Or think of some of the side effects, ADD, ADHD, uh, depression, headaches, um, seizures, neurological problems, seizure disorders, narcolepsy, all of those conditions, John, are from brain injury. I mean, because we have been witnessing an increase within the younger generations of depression ADD. Anxiety. I mean, when, I, when I was going to school, uh, we didn't have kids in our school being given ADD medication. Uh, like candy. Like, like, like they candy. give it out like candy. They give it out like candy. And, you know, it, it is unbelievable. And, 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 and that is a very incredible answer you've just given. But I, I am so shocked by it and moved. It, it, it is, always, it's, it's some... always follow, always follow the money, and always remember, the me, the, the money is in the medicine, not mm. in the cure. No, no, in the money illness. is in the medicine, not in the cure. That's why all these press releases, all these conference calls, all this stuff talking about COVID and COVID nineteen and SARS CoV two, the virus name and all this other stuff. You don't hear them talking about. All they're talking about is testing, 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 because they're harvesting your DNA. 
They don't talk about, oh, and oh, by the way, when you're at the doctor to get your DNA tested and to find out if you're positive, whatever the heck that means, of, of this COVID-19, they don't say, and oh, by the way, while you're there, make sure you get a vitamin D level tested, and that level mm. should be somewhere between 80 and 100. They don't say, check your vitamin C level and make sure that it's good. They don't say, check your vitamin K level to make sure that you're absorbing your D. They don't say, check your iodine level, because iodine is your body's natural uh, um, antiseptic that keeps your gut healthy. They don't anything about that they don't tell you to like they don't even really much talk about washing hands they just talk about social distancing they don't tell you to like you know uh, get plenty of sleep you know take good care of yourself go out and get some sunshine none of that because that's all about health the only thing we care about is therapeutics and vaccines period that's so all i they just want to i just want to put a hypothesis here because i'm not an expert here but if what you're saying is true and our government just helped raise what was it, $8 billion mm. for Gavi, which seems like an awful lot of money to me. Yep. And, the, and of the one organization on the planet that doesn't need more money is Gavi. Right. So <laughs> They don't need any money. That's just for one minute on here. All the, There's a lot of very aware people. Number one, I'd like everybody on here has just as an act of gratitude for the courage of this woman that we're seeing here to share this broadcast we need to get this data out to everybody if you know boris mm. send him this 50 60 times i don't care drive mm. him mad with this data <laughs> if this is the truth that eight billion dollars what is the harm let's just imagine the ripples of harm that that is going to do through society to families to children to the future to the medical problems if what you're saying is true this is an abomination. Absolutely. And we, like idiots, are saying, oh, how marvelous that there's this, all this money has been raised. Mm -hmm. If what you're saying is true, this is an act of evil. Uh, unequivocally, John and Irina, the entire industry is an act of evil. And that's why I was saying that, you know, when the, 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 not only is the act of vaccinating, of, of you take a little tiny innocent pure baby and you put them on a table and you skewer them with needles and you inject foreign matter that's very acidic and harmful and as soon as it goes into their body their immune system goes whap as soon as they do that and they cry and that high-pitched screaming and all these things not only is the act of vaccinating and giving children multiple vaccines on the same day that have never been tested for synergistic toxicity that have never been tested for antibodies to the foreign proteins that are being injected into them to cross to cross contaminate through a process called molecular mimicry they've never been tested for carcinogenicity can they cause cancer mm. they've never been caused for teratogenicity can they cause birth defects they've never been tested for mutagenicity means changing your genes they've never been tested for sterility can they cause you to be infertile on every package insert it says that in a box none of these things have ever been tested we've never tested for antibodies we know that if a child is fully vaccinated from birth to 18 years of age they have almost 12,000 micrograms of aluminum injected and 500 micrograms of mercury injected we are injecting foreign matter i've been calling vaccines foreign matter for years now because that's exactly what it is and somehow whenever you go to the cdc website or the world health organization website or the un or you, you look at any of the the, the manufacturers uh, 
pages about vaccinating, you see these happy people with a big smile on their face, just so glad to get that needle jabbed in their arm oh. and be injected with stuff that could kill them. Not only is the act of vaccinating an evil act, by, pro by propagating this myth that vaccines are safe and effective, by propagating this myth that you must be vaccinated. And now they put a more evil twist on it. You're gonna have to be vaccinated with this experimental, fast-tracked, zero liability vaccine for COVID-19 to get back to normal life, to travel, to go to a ball game, to go to a soccer match, to go to school, to have a job. You're going to have to be injected with foreign matter against your will, violating the Nuremberg codes, and this vaccine will kill people, and you're gonna to have to do it because they say so. I can't think of anything more evil than that, John. Well, nor can I, and, and, and God bless you for, for, for speaking your truth. And one of the things that people don't realize is, and this is something that you have, I know, highlighted uh, for the White House and for uh, others in America at the very top of D.C., is the PrEP Act was passed, which actually indemnifies all of these companies so they're putting out these untested vaccines or untested in the traditional medical scientific sense of tested, like a double-blind test. They're not being tested properly. And then the governments have actually indemnified, if I'm understanding this correctly, they have, they have indemnified these companies and individuals. So if, God forbid, a child loses their mind or is severely brain damaged, the companies themselves, they pay nothing. There's no liability to them at all. Am I correct about that? Or are they spend yeah, a very small amount? Yeah, you're exactly right. No, you're exactly right. And it's not just brain damage. It can be autoimmune hepatitis. It could be renal failure. We know that the coronaviruses and the vaccines that they've tested in the past caused huge autoimmune diseases in the lungs. We know that the coronavirus uh, now can, uh, you know, and I think the vaccine is going to prove out to be the same, can cause blood clots, which things can go into your lungs because the, the virus, we're actually injecting the virus into the body. And we're now finding out more and more about this injected virus that it can cause blood clots. Um, John, they've been trying to develop a coronavirus vaccine for a lot, about 20 years. And why is that? That's because coronaviruses have been around and in circulation for 60 years, six zero, 60 years. And there's four, uh, four viruses in that family of 36 viruses that causes influenza-like illness every year, year after year, all over the planet. And sometimes up to 40% of illness in any given flu season is not caused by influenza viruses, but is caused by coronaviruses. So because of that large burden of illness is what the pro-vaccine people would call it. They've been trying for a very, very, very long time to create, any, to create a, a coronavirus vaccine. But when they've tested it on ferrets, and ferrets have an immune system that's, that's very similar to humans, mm -hmm. the ferrets died. And when they tested the vaccine on, 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 on mice and rats, and they gave them a second injection of the vaccine, and knowing full well that the vaccine had caused a lot of lung problems, and when they have tried it in smaller investigations, they sacrificed this large group of animals and looked at their lungs, and they had this accelerated autoimmune disease, not only in their lungs, but in their liver and their kidneys and other areas of their body. And it didn't happen from the vaccine. It, you know, you got one vaccine and your antibody level, you got it sensitized, you got a second vaccine, your antibody level went up to here. 
they said, oh, great, antibodies are supposed to protect you from getting sick. Let's re-expose those animals to the virus and see if that keeps them from getting sick. It was that re-exposure to, to the uh, virus out in circulation that caused this accelerated autoimmune condition because the original vaccine didn't make the correct type of antibody. It made an antibody that pokes holes in your cells. So when they experiment, when they ex re-exposed them to the virus, the virus got into the cells and made the animals deathly sick. And this is what's going to happen with this. And, and to me, it's like no wonder they want to fast track this vaccine and they don't want to do animal studies because they already know what's going to happen. They already know. I mean, the most recent study that I read came from 2012. That's pretty recent research. And the conclusion of the study said in plain language, we must be very, very careful when we are developing coronavirus vaccines for humans because there's a lot of problems with this vaccine and the way that it's made. So well, they already know that. They already know what the outcomes are going to be. So why waste your time and your money doing animal studies again if you already know the animals are going to get sick and or die? Well, I, I, as since we last spoke, all the animals at Oxford got sick. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many of those poor monkeys died. But uh, basically, I know they all got sick. So um, Linda Shepard has asked, um, I've watched your shows with Dr. Tenpenny, and I may have missed her speaking about the connection between autism and vaccinations. Um, she would like to hear your comment on that briefly on, on that topic. Mm -hmm. Well, autism is just a, is just another way of saying brain damage. Mm -hmm. And as long as we talk about brain damage, seizure disorders, encephalitis, encephalopathy, ADD, ADHD, lack of focus, um, not willing to speak, you know, all the, all the, the whole complex of, of speech disorders, we can all talk about, yeah, vaccines can cause that. But as soon as we say vaccines and autism, because we have been trained by neuro-linguistic programming, John, mm -hmm. we have been absolutely trained as a people that vaccines don't cause autism. And as soon as you hear it, boom, there's a great yeah. big split that happens in your brain. Mm -hmm. And people are, you know, either they're polarized either into yes or no. Mm. And we've been conditioned, verbally conditioned, to a knee-jerk reflex about vaccines and autism. But ask any parent who watched their child deteriorate and descend into autism right before their eyes within hours or days of getting a vaccine and look that parent in the eye and call him a liar. No, that wasn't the vaccine. Your child, this was just going to happen anyways. Mm. Really? Really? It's, it, it is a great worry. And um, listen, there's a lot of people on here tonight, and a lot of them want to know. They've been talking about the chipping of people, putting in this vaccination chip. Is yep. that a real thing? Are we going to be chipped? Uh, is this about a mandatory chipping of every man, woman, and child on Earth? Is that where this is going unless we do something? In my opinion, I would say yes, and I would give, you, I would give it a stepwise approach to that. I mean, the first thing is all of this massive data collecting called testing. Believe me, people, I wrote a really thorough article on my website, which is vaxter.com, V as in Victor, A-X-X-T-E-R.com. It's coronavirus part three, testing. What are we doing? It was a series of three articles that I wrote. And it shows clearly that they don't know what they're doing with the testing. A positive test or a negative test really doesn't mean much of anything. And so it's, um, and so there, but this is data collecting. They are collecting everyone's DNA on the planet. This has been a long-term wish list of Bill Gates. 
And they can then extrapolate all of that data and crunch it through the Human Genome Project and find out who's got what set of decks, what set of genes, what is the most popular genes, what's the most popular genetic mutation on, in, the, in the entire planet. I'm sure they have a long list of questions they've already formulated and they're just needing the sample size to go in and look and see what we can create, specified vaccines, specified drugs, um, maybe even electromagnetic frequency, 5G technology frequencies that will affect certain genes. I don't know what their nefarious projects are on their list, but I'm quite certain, in my opinion, none of them are good. Mm. I mean, they'll tell you, oh, we can find a cure from cancer for this. Really? Really? There's already cures for cancer out there. Why haven't used them so far? So this whole chipping thing is that, so the first test is the data collecting. We're data collecting on everybody, mandatorily collecting in order for you to get back into, into life. Once they've got all that collected, and then they're also looking at this, are you positive, are you negative thing. And then they're, the next thing, they're, I think this is a lot of noise and busyness activity until they can get their vaccine ready. Um, I'm signed up for on June the 9th, the NVAC, the National Vaccine Advisory Committee is having an online summit about, the, about how to push forward this COVID-19 vaccine on a mandatory scale, in, uh, you know, on a massive scale. So for the vaccine to come out and then you're going to get tested and then they're going to say, oh, here's your certificate that says that you're immune. You have to keep this with you everywhere. You have to show it when you walk in the grocery store, to show it when you get on an airplane, have to show it when you go get your hair colored or cut. But that's just a little piece of paper. You might either leave it at home when you need it. Why don't we just put it in that little chip in your arm and then you'll always have it with you, always. And oh, by the way, that dirty money stuff, we've been trying to get to a cashless society for a long time. Why don't we just put your bank account in there too? And all your medical records and everything else. There's a company, John, one of many, but this is the one that I'm particularly following. It's called Covipass, C-O-V-I-P is in Peter, A-S-S, C-O-V-I-P-A-S-S. It's already an incredibly, it's, it's already a global company it's all over the world. And what's really creepy to me is when you look, go to their website, it's covipass.com, and you look, they show you, like, they show you three pictures. It looks, like three, it looks like three screenshots of your computer, like three screenshots. And what do they use? And I've got it pulled up on my screen right now. What do they use for an example? They use the current state of being tested, your nasal swab, your serology, are your IgM or IgG positive? Have you had your vaccine or not? Have you had your other vaccines? Are you compliant? Mm -hmm. And these are things that they can download onto your phone. And so if you don't have an actual chip with all these things that they wanna track you with, they're gonna be tracking you with your iPhone. I was looking last night, I, I, you know, I love to travel. You and I talked about this before. You know, mm -hmm. I. You know, I've, I've been blessed to have been in 72 countries in my life, and I, I always thought I'd get, to, uh, get to, to 100, but I may not now. And I get a lot of electronic travel newsletters. And there was one that came up last night that said, the Seychelles are opening with some caveats. And I thought, well, I wonder what that's about. I mean, most people who don't travel a lot don't even know that the Seychelles is an island nation somewhere in the Indian Ocean, right? I mean, mm -hmm. who would know if, you're, if you weren't a travel buff like me? So let's see what they have to say. Well, what they have to say is the criteria is, is in order for you to come to the Seychelles, this little tiny island in the middle of freaking nowhere in the Indian Ocean, in order to go there, you have to have been tested for COVID-19 within 48 hours of arrival, asterisk subtest. It takes longer than that to get the results back, so I don't know what good that does you. But you have to be tested, and if you're positive, you can't come. 
And if you, if you find out after you arrive that you're positive, you have to go into quarantine. And because we're waiting for your test, we're, the, the, tour, the, the um, Minister of Health for the Seychelles will download a tracking app onto your phone for contact tracing while you're on the Seychelles. Now, who wants to be tracked everywhere that they go when they're on vacation to the Indian Ocean to a very, on a very expensive trip because they're worried about this and worried about whether or not you've been vaccinated, whether or not you're positive, whether or not you're shedding, carrying a virus that causes the flu? Well, you'll be interested to know, Sherry, that normally on the broadcast here, we actually have Justin Etzin, who is the UN ambassador to the Seychelles. Wonderful. And, uh, I would love to so meet So, Justin, if you are watching this, uh, whoever put that policy in has just buggered up the Seychelles tourist industry because this is a young lady who would be one of your keen travelers. And, uh, well, and I say, I the hope thing it's about a that, John, is why I read it and why I think it's important to share it is because I think that's going to be the standard bearer to go everywhere in the next year. Mm. Everywhere. Everywhere. If you're in England and you want to go to Scotland and your same country, you're going to have to show it, you know, across the border, you know, to go to Europe, you're going to have to have that. You're going to show you have to show your proof of vaccination or your little scan thing on your microchip of where you're going. Do I think microchipping is coming? As far as I know, I know there are at least 19 different already patented chipping technologies available for the market. There's probably more than that. I'm aware of 19. Is this, well, and I, being the strong years, Christian that I am, and you and I have talked about this before too, this is, to me, just the mark of the beast. It's the beginning. You won't be able to buy, sell, or trade without that little chip that just happens to start with your evil vaccination record. Well, I'm, I'm just going to ask everybody on here. We've got a lot of people on here. We've nearly got a record on here tonight. Really? Uh, Wonderful. Yeah, we well, welcome, we everyone. Yeah. I can't see you, but thank you for seeing me. Well, everyone's loving you. As everybody's always. loving you. You're getting amazing feedback. We'll send it all oh, to you later. Awesome. Um, we're going to put the links up again, whereby you can actually get to the in-depth uh, research. But I would just ask everybody on here, please share this. We're talking about the future. We're talking about children. We're talking if if what Dr. Pen Tenpenny has said tonight, and she is somebody that has spent more time researching the potential harm that vaccines can do and the harm that they have done from her observation. If what she's saying is true, we should be up all night sharing this video a hundred times with every single person we know. We should send it personally. And we should personally send it. And this everyone. is what we've been doing with some of these broadcasts is if you know people that are what are called opinion formers or opinion leaders, send it to them. Send them a link Take the link text. and you go through your WhatsApp thing. Now, of course, WhatsApp have limited you now. You can only send five at a time now because they've, they've worked out what we're doing. But the fact of the matter is send this interview out to everybody. We're also going to put it up on YouTube and all the other platforms. You can use Messenger. You can use WhatsApp. It, you know, it doesn't take much to be a freedom fighter. This little email. finger, if this little finger works, you can mess with a mouse. You know, <laughs> that's all you have to do. It doesn't take much courage. And you know what? Um, this woman literally, listen, when you go up against mm. trillion dollar interests, she's risking her life by giving us this information. And I don't think I'm overestimating the position. People who have been exposing the harm that pharma has been doing have been killed. Am I am I am I over uh, uh, exaggerating the position here? 
No, and several years ago now, I think this was maybe 2016 or 17, UNICEF said that I was one of the most dangerous people in the world. Can you believe that, John? Well, <laughs> me. <laughs> Do I look like the most dangerous person in the world? Well, so that know, just tells you how powerful this information is and what yeah. and it really it all comes down to money. It has nothing to do with health. Oh, and here's one other thing I want to say that I, I've been wanting to say and I've missed it on some of the interviews that I've done is that, you know, when you when you go out to any one of these websites, you know, UNICEF, World Health Organization, Gavi, any of the pro vaccine sites that are the spinoffs from that. You know, they always start out with saying that vaccines are the most important savers of humanity like ever. Mm. And every year because of the MMR vaccine or because of the measles vaccine, it saves 713 million children from dying. Where do they get that number? They don't go out and count heads. Mm. It's a mathematical, it's a computer model. And what have we just learned about computer modeling with this whole COVID thing yeah. oh, well, and what a bunch of nonsense it is. And then they write a model, a computer model to analyze all the different models. And that was off by like some magnificent amount. So all of these things saying that all these vaccines saved, you know, millions of lives. And, and if we, the DPT vaccine just last year alone saved like, I don't know how many, 5 million children from dying. Really? Really? These are computer generated models. And I think that just what we've just seen and blown up through this COVID-19 stuff, that people need to understand that clearly when they talk about how many lives have been saved by vaccines, they are computer generated models, which have no relevance. We never talk about how many kids die at the hands of vaccines, how many of them get damaged or injured in third world countries and have, do not have access to first world care. How many of them at least get high fevers and they have diarrhea and they can't eat and they're vomiting and they die because of dehydration because of these vaccines? We never talk about those, John, ever, ever. We don't, and it's a crime that we don't. And it is that is why I cannot thank, there's a lot of new people have just joined the feed. Please share this with your friends. The most powerful thing you can do is share the truth. And those of you that have just joined us, if you go back and you review this when the you will find that Dr. Tenpenny has been giving us tonight some of the most valuable data that there is. Now, I'm aware that you've got to jump off here and you've got to basically- I've got a few on. more minutes. I've got, got a few, few more minutes. minutes. You all right? Good, good. So, yeah. Irina had a point that yes. she wanted to make. You said something very interesting earlier, Sherry. You said something about the study, which would be like a control group would be healthy and vaccinated children and you said it would probably be like two million to fund it properly that's something. what they that's what they said along the way we've all, that number may be a little bit low these days to do a, a, a large enough study but you know for years we've said with two million dollars that's why it's so aggravating that those CDC the Centers for Disease Control will not fund a true true a well done properly done study and I've said because if it's too what if it, what if it was a billion dollars who cares isn't it the most important question that, that the industry needs to answer but, but it wouldn't cost that much. It would probably be, I don't know, $30, $40 million at the high end to do a really big study and do it really, really well. And I said, bring in your best, let's bring in our best researchers from both sides of the table, the pro-vaccine people and the people that think vaccines aren't so good. Let's do it. Let's do it together so you can cut out the potential for bias. You could have both both sides coming to the table at the same time, crunching the same numbers, the same data, so that one set one you know like the 
If, a pro, if an anti-vax study is done, the pro-vaccine people say, you skewed the numbers, you left this out, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. And when the pro-vaccine people do a study, they really do skew the numbers and leave things out, and we usually catch them at that. And so um, so that sort of thing is really, really important. And so um, that's not mine, is it? That's not my screen, is it? No, no. Put that out. Okay. We're good. Uh, um, so, so the study is to, to do it to fund it. It's probably a few million dollars. Um, but the thing is, it's to do a study in the United States. One of the problems is you have to have something called an IRB, which stands for an Institutional Review Board. So, and that all comes from the whole ex human experimentation model. That ostensibly, if I was going to do a, re a research study on a, on a vaccinated versus unvaccinated kids, I would have to design the study and get it approved by the IRB with oversight to make sure that I'm not, it's usually done with drugs to make sure that you're not like killing people with your drugs and stuff like that. Well, it's very hard to get them to do an IRB to, to look at vaccinated versus unvaccinated children. And why is that? They don't want to know the answer. You can't find what you're not looking for, and you're not going to fund what you don't want to find. And so, because we know unequivocally, because all of us, I mean, I still see patients two days a week, and, and Dr. Buttar, he sees patients five days a week, and those of us like you know that do this that still see patients, we see vaccinated and unvaccinated kids in our practice. And these unvaccinated kids are robust, they're healthy, they have bright minds, they're ahead of the curve on their learning curve. They're usually, you know, they're four years old, they're reading at an eight or a nine-year-old level because they've got intact brains. We know what unvaccinated healthy kids look like because we see them every day. They don't want to know the answer. That's why the CDC will never fund the study. There have been some small groups of studies. I think there's probably a handful of studies out there that independent people have done on phone, uh, phone consultations or they've done it with like surveys or things like that <clears throat> that show the health of vaccinated kids are much more robust than the kid of than the than the health of vaccinated kids, but they need to they need to completely eliminate that control group. And here's the other reason way that they're doing it, Irina. Not only are they wanting to make sure that every child is vaccinated, now the big push to vaccinate pregnant women. Wow. Because if we can damage those babies before they even pop out of the womb, how will you ever know the difference? And so these kids that come out are, that are brain damaged, you know, they, they don't suck right and they may have strabismus, one eye's looking in or looking out. Oh, well, that's just, we're so sorry your child was just born that way. Really? Really? Are we ever going to know what that, and there's no way of ever knowing what that child would have looked like if mom would not have had a flu shot or a pertussis shot while she was pregnant? We'll never know what that baby would look like if, if we didn't have a hepatitis B vaccine on the first day of birth. We're never going to know what that baby looks like if they hadn't have had 57 vaccines by the time they're their year of age. We're never going to know. Wow, this is unbelievable. Thank you very you know, much to everybody who's been sharing this. I've just put a little link up on the screen. In case we get deplatformed, which we may well do because there is censorship. Dr. Tenpenny has been censored. You can sign up to Camelot Castle TV Network on the link that I've just put on the screen there. So uh, just make a note of that, and you can go to that after the broadcast. I'll put it up again later. You know, John, uh, look, just John you should you should park your stuff over on our on our platform. It'll never get censored, never get taken down on disseminate.tv. We'd love to do that. It's free. It's free. 
you know, we, we're building it over there. We're building it. It's growing all the time. And a lot of people that still have their YouTube platform and they, they just park it in both places. So if YouTube gets taken down, it's over here at disseminate.tv. And you can either drive people over there or you can put it back up over on YouTube. <laughs> but well, it's a, like a fantastic. safekeeping. It's a safe like harbor a safe for all of your so videos. You're not going to remove. That's a very useful thing. Um, maybe we should do another program on that because that is so important because we we need new platforms we cannot allow a few liberal minds in silicon valley to control the communication lines of this planet now exactly. just going to this point you're saying it might take 40 million 40 million is not a lot of money there are people and i don't think it would take broadcast. that much let's say it did no there are people watching this broadcast tonight that could write a check for 40 million no problem so I would like to postulate here, which means to put something into the future so it'll be there for us, hopefully quite soon. Question, if you had the 40 million, could you and your friends organize that study? Um, I could probably be a spearhead of getting together? the right people to yeah. do that study. Yeah. I, I, research isn't my gig. I, I don't enjoy that. I don't like doing it. But people who do, I do know people who do those things. And if they have the money, it's like all the rest of us, you know, this thing, John, if we, if we, if we only, we, my platform only had like $1 million. Oh my gosh, what we couldn't do with that money to right. educate and to get people out there and to have them never be censored, never be platformed, to give them the place so to be. So would it help you? And, so would it help you, know, you to have some extra funding? Because we do have people on here that would probably like to donate. So would it help you? I mean, you never ask for anything. You've never asked us for anything. You never do mm -hmm. ask for anything. You just go ahead and you do your thing. Mm -hmm. And I believe you sell your courses and so on and so forth. But I mean, that's not a huge thing. But you're doing this. And one of the things I teach people to do, there's nothing wrong with demanding money for a good cause. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong at all. In fact, you know something I've learned? People like to be asked for money for a good cause. They actually appreciate it. So I'm going to ask for money for you on to our audience. If people would like to donate, where can they go to to do that? Well, there's two places, actually. One, if, um, if they want to donate small amounts of money, um, like under $1,000, um, they can go to vaxter.com, V as in Victor, A-X-X-T-E-R.com, and you can donate directly through there. That goes direct. That goes, that's that's non-deductible. If you want to make a tax deductible contribution of a thousand dollars or more, or more could be, you know, clear to the end of the or more, uh, you just need to contact me directly because we do have a 501c3, but we because of human power to be able to track those donations, we can only really track. We, we just can't track track and give tax deductible contributions of twenty five dollars. It would just bury us to try to write that off because we have to send everybody letters and all of that. So if you want to if you want to donate a thousand dollars or more to our 501c3 in the United States to get a tax deductible contribution, you can contact me directly, um, and you can contact me through courses for mastery courses the number four mastery at gmail.com and then we can set up either a skype conversation or whatsapp or telegram which i think is the most secure and and we can talk and i could give you the specific information on donating for that fortunately john in the last three years we've had a couple of pretty good sized donors that have really floated us they've really kind of helped us we've had three people that have donated you know 
a, a sizable amount of money. Like, well, people you know. do like to donate to good things. Janet Lamb has just said, I will donate. So that's great. People do like to be, and, 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 and people like to be asked as well, because people do like to help. And there are those of us who can communicate. I have not met anybody, and I've had the opportunity to watch uh, a number of people in this sort of non-mandatory vaccination movement. You are the best communicator that we have. You are our, top, you are our top gun. You know, I get into a muddle on this. There's one thing I always got in a muddle on, and I just one more thing I'm going to ask you. Oh, but the polio worked. The polio vaccine worked, they yeah, say. Yeah, they always say Polio that. was solved completely through vaccination. How, do you, how the hell do you answer somebody that says that? Because there was polio, and you know, even my own mother says, well, when I went to school, I would see all these kids, and they had they you know, deformed or whatever. And I understand that, and it's a dreadful disease. How do you handle that when you run into the um, Well, a couple of things. Um, I can give you, I'll give you the short answer. The first answer that I usually say when I don't want to talk about it, <laughs> and this might be something you have up your sleeve, John, when somebody asks you and you're like, I just don't have time to get into it. I usually say to people, you know, with all due respect, I, I appreciate your question, but your ignorance is showing by even asking that question because that tells me that you've not looked one bit into this discussion. And when you have looked a little bit closer, let's have a, a really intelligent conversation about it because all you're doing is parroting something, a party line that you've been told, which really isn't true. So that's my short and down and dirty answer when I'm tired and I don't want to talk about it. No. If you want to engage and you want to give them some facts, what you can say is that polio was a gastrointestinal virus and, night, and during the day, in the, in, during the 50s and into the early 60s, when there was a lot of polio, endemic wild polio out there in circulation, 97% of people, and this is CDC numbers, this isn't Dr. Sherry Tempety talking, this is the CDC numbers, 97% of people who were exposed to a polio virus either had an asymptomatic infection, meaning it passed right straight through their stomach, their intestinal tract, left behind an antibody and a lifetime of immunity, or they had something that looked a bit like a stomach flu. 97% of polio. Wow. Another one to 2% of polio actually was something that was looked like a viral meningitis, mm. a viral meningitis that people recovered from less than 0.4% of people who had a polio virus infection developed paralysis. And only a fraction of those who developed any paralysis developed bulbar polio, which meant they needed to be on an iron lung. Of the people that had any level of paralysis at all, it's usually asymmetric paralysis, meaning one leg or the other, one arm or the other, not like arm and leg at the same time. It was usually one limb, an asymmetric paralysis. Nearly 50% of the people that had paralysis got full recovery of that paralysis within two years. So yes, there are a, a, a number of people, we don't know the exact count, who had paralysis and never recovered from it. Mm. Yes, there was an even smaller number of people who had bulbar polio and died from that. And bulbar polio was where the, uh, where the virus um, infected your brainstem and affected your breathing centers. And so because it affected your breathing centers, your diaphragm couldn't move and you died. 
the tiniest number was that. And what activated the polio virus and made it be from just a benign gastrointestinal pass-through virus into something that was more neurological and caused paralysis or bulbar paralysis, it was the combination of the polio virus with DDT. And we've seen that before. I've got papers on it with the bird flu in 2005 of garden variety influenza viruses in conjunction with dioxin put those, those viruses on steroids. So we know this didn't happen just once. It's happened more than once. And when they stopped using DDT and they would go through in the summertime and go to the swimming pools and spray the DDT everywhere. And many of you may remember those old television commercials back from that day. It's like DDT, DDT is good for me, me, me. And they were everywhere. They sprinkled it on bassinets. They put it everywhere to try to keep out the mosquitoes. And why did we stop using DDT? Not because it was causing paralysis in humans, but because it was making um, bald eagles' eggs fragile. <laughs> and so they, the bald eagle population was going down because they would lay eggs and they'd sit on the eggs and they'd break. So, you know, so the, so that's where and, the and real think story about it, is it about doing... polio. We, if it was doing that to bald eagles' eggs, imagine what it's doing to humans. Exactly. So it was a combination of a pesticide, mm -hmm. and it may have also been other types of pesticides, because during that, that area, that was the era of the 50s when, when it was better living by chemistry. You know, Bayer's model, you know, started better living. So that's when they were developing all these pesticides and all these different things, you know, to just, uh, it was better living by chemistry. Every, you know, BPA, plastics, all these different things. We were creating all these things with chemicals during that time. And we had, there were four or five different pesticides that were really prevalent during that time. And, but DDT was the most commonly used. So you took this really benign virus that had probably been around for thousands of years and, um, and, and when, when it was exposed to a pesticide, caused a lot of problems and developed neurological things. Mad cow was the same way. And they finally decided that what was actually causing those cows to have all those neurological problems was all the pesticides they were dripping along their spinal cord on their back. You know, I mean, there's lots of, lots of you know, look at the dog or the, the frogs that become the male frogs that are born with male and female parts. You know, they get, become um, Aphrodite's Aphroditic because of that in the presence of um, is it astrazeth it begins with an A it's a pesticide that begins with an A I mean so pesticides have been a real problem and so when they stopped using DDT the paralysis went away now here's an interesting little factoid there are certain areas of India that they still use DDT the DDT gets into the milk supply and it's in those areas of India where those kids have non-polio acute flaccid paralysis and they die from it so it's other viruses that are being activated by the presence of the DDT that they have 50,000 kids per year that are becoming paralyzed. Not because of polio viruses, because India was declared polio free in 2012, but they're still getting 50,000 cases per year of kids getting paralysis and dying because of pesticides and they're activating other types of viruses. So that's, I was just watching my clock here. That was like a seven minute overview of what is about a two hour discussion. But well, that's we've, sort of as like- as we've said, very... uh, all of this data can be found on your website and you, there is, it is completely comprehensive. So if anybody wants to research that or get, you know, do their own deep dive into this material, but I think you've covered it beautifully. 
The polio section in the library in the Tenpenny Research Library is really big, and we take a really deep dive into smallpox and polio in our boot camp course, which open enrollment for our boot camp course will be in September. And we start in the in the boot camp course. It's an eight-week online course to, for uh, a standardized education to get everybody on the same page. We talk about safety and efficacy. We talk about smallpox and polio because everybody starts there that don't know anything about this topic, John. They always start with, well, what about smallpox and polio? So that, like I said, you, well, that tells me that you know nothing about this topic. So I get it. It's okay. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying that that tells me where your educational process is if that's where you're starting from. That tells me you've looked at nothing, nothing. And so, so we take a deep dive into smallpox and polio. Then we do herd immunity. We teach people how to read a package insert, and then we look at the ramp up of the schedule and the and the fine, vaccine financing and talk yeah, about so some nefarious stuff in there. So basically, if somebody brings up the polio thing, what they've just done, they've just accepted the programming, they've accepted the brainwashing, and they've just plugged it in, and they're, they're just regurgitating the brainwashing line. The basically. propaganda. Yeah, 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 yeah. And okay, so that's well, why I say when I when I don't want to talk about it if I'm no, tired or I, no, you know no, no. I just it, say it, you know it, it, I, I understand that's where you're coming from you know just when you go do a little bit more research bring it back up to me and we'll we'll have another conversation. I'm not. I'm just saying that's what I run into. Mm-hmm. You know I know I do run into that and All and I'm time. sure I'm sure other people on here so it's very very helpful. Um, okay, I asked you to do it before, but I'm going to ask you to do it again because he obviously didn't listen properly the first time what would you like to say to our prime minister boris johnson oh man <laughs> I, I, i'll be nice <laughs> just be yourself what i'd like to do is take him out behind the woodshed and spank his butt that's what i'd like to do beat, you know beat some sense into him but that's you know can't do that so Thank to be boris, respectful to be, i was kidding i was kidding but to be respectful i mean what i would really like to say is Prime, Prime Minister Johnson, have you? Do you have any idea who Gavi is? Do you have any idea where the funding for Gavi actually goes? Do you have even the slightest idea that Gavi, of all organizations, maybe all organizations on the entire planet that does not need any money, it's Gavi. They're a slush fund. They have money from everywhere, and all you're doing is paying more money to a nefarious organization, to poison children and adults all around the planet. And when you said in your little talk there, it is that to, to, to uh, fund Gavi is one of the most essential, sh- uh, essential shared endeavors of our lifetime to get everyone revaccinated and to vaccinate for this COVID-19 experimental vaccine that is literally going to kill millions of people. And you're saying that it is the most important endeavor of our entire lifetime. That tells me you need to do a little bit of research. You need to talk to some people that really understand this industry. You need to think about how you are wasting the money, the tax money of the British people to feed a beast that doesn't need to be fed. Please reconsider what you're doing. Please do a little bit of homework. Don't surround yourself with only deep state pro-pharma people. Get a little bit more research. And if you do that and you change, you could be a hero to your people, a hero for the rest of the world, instead of just going along to get along. That's very powerful. Thank you. That's very, very powerful. And on that note, uh, we would like to thank you again. Um, I do hope you come and visit us. You look like you need a holiday in Cornwall. Um, 
you know, because you're working. I need a holiday somewhere. You're looking great. You're looking great. That that came out the wrong way. I haven't had a day off since March the 4th. March the 9th. I have not had a day off since March the 9th. Well, I know. And I do want to put in one additional little plug, if you'll allow me. I would. Just a little bit. Whatever you like. Please come. Please. One of the things that is really beneficial to us is growing our email list. It's really important to our business to grow our email list. And so if you go to Baxter.com, which I've said before, V is a Victor, A-X-X-E-R, sign up for our list. Please have your friends come and sign up for your list, our list if they're interested in this topic and, and so know what we do because that really helps us. And, and if you really want to hear more of kind of me and what I like to say and what I like to talk about, join me on Instagram. My Instagram account, John, has gone from zero to almost 75,000 in five months. Wow. And uh, we're, we're, um, it's, it's just Dr. Tenpenny, Dr. Tenpenny, you know, at Dr. Tenpenny. And I also do, and this is one of the reasons I have to jump, is because every night at 6 o'clock on my, uh, on my Instagram page with this um, happy hour with Dr. T., Happy hour with Dr. T because it's six o'clock here in Cleveland, Ohio. So it's happy hour. It's about 25 minutes. I tell people to bring your adult beverage. And if you don't drink, bring your coffee tea, your herbal tea, your water bottle or whatever. And we're going to share some happy news, some great quotes. We're going to talk about good things that happened that day. And we're going to share a Bible verse. We're going to discuss it a little bit. And then we're going to have a prayer. And I do that every day. What, what, What could be better than a gin and tonic and a bit of prayer? Absolutely fantastic. That, <laughs> exactly. that, that, that doesn't keep the COVID nineteen away. Nothing will. So um, exactly. anyway, exactly. It's, thank it's, you so much. It's been a pleasure. And for those of you that want to continue to listen, you can just jump onto Instagram now, and you can you can oh. join. Uh, well, or, or, you know, the Instagram that I do, I do an Instagram live every Monday morning, which is a little bit like this discussion, and then Happy Hour with Dr. T. I do every night at six o'clock. Every night at six o'clock. And John, quite frankly, I do it as much for me as I do for anybody else that's listening. It's my 30 minutes a day that I can I can dig through some things in the in the Word and pull out some things that I think are meaningful and talk about it and have a have a prayer and feel good about. We're, at least we're spreading God's Word and we're trying to put some happy things into people's lives because there's so much ugliness going on right now. Have you got two minutes for a prayer or 30 seconds for a prayer for our our group? Oh, me pray or you pray? You pray. Me pray. Um, just do this. This is the prayer that's going to, so they don't have to leave your show. This is the prayer that's, I'll just tell you what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about Romans 12, 17 through 19. Do not pay anyone evil for evil, but focus your thoughts on what is right in the sights of, the, of people. Live at peace with everyone. Don't seek revenge, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will pay them back. Do not conquer, do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. And we're going to talk about good things we can do and good things we can do for the day. And then my prayer for the day is, dear Lord, as those who have no concept of right or wrong, of good versus evil, of what it means to respect the property rights of others, the lawless ones seem to be taking over our country. Thank you for reminding us through your word that you have the final say as long as we choose to live at peace and stand firmly with you. Remind us that we are to treat others in the ways that we wish to be treated with kindness, with appreciation, with respect, and with love. Lord, your people are praying, asking for help. We believe that you are hearing our prayers. In all things, thy will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.
That's very powerful. The combination of that scripture and that prayer is very, very powerful. And you'll see from the comments, people really, really appreciated that. You have a. And that's, and that's what we do, 6 o'clock, Monday through Friday, Monday through Friday, 6 o'clock on Dr. Tenpenny. Happy hour with Dr. T. Happy hour with Dr. T. That's what our happy hour is like, John. That's, that's our happy hour. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. Well, I better let you get to it. And thank you so much indeed. And we will chat later. We will. Don't thank you so much. Good night, Irina. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Lovely All right. to see thank you. you. Thank you so much. Take care. Good thank night. Thank you. Good night. We, we have to put some details for Dr. Tenpenny because people are asking. We will. We will. Um, and, well, that was powerful, wasn't it, really, darling? Very, very, very powerful. And I'd like to thank uh, Amanda Eliash and Letitia Cash for suggesting that we address the Garvey debacle that is occurring in London as we speak. And, uh, you know, billions and billions of dollars are being invested. This is our money. This is our taxpayers' money. We work hard. We pay our taxes. We don't question our taxes. I think what I really found extremely interesting is what she said about the ex um, clinical study. I thought about it many times why this has not been done and obviously it's not in the interest of uh you know big pharma but funding a clinical study and comparing vaccinated children and unvaccinated children is a very mm. good thing to do for humanity i have definitely noticed myself a difference between vaccinated and non-vaccinated children Yes, no but question. I think if you get, uh, could you find the comment? Marriage is supposed to be a comment. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the funding of that is a very, because it could be privately funded. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I would be a real service to humanity, don't you think? This one here? Yes, these are the uh, details of Dr. Sh Dr. Tenpenny. If you want to donate or sign up or join her mailing list, please do that. This is the comment. Good. And thank you to everybody for joining us. And also sign up to our mailing list. Sign up to our mailing list, yes. Because we are getting all the email addresses of all our viewers. And if we get kicked out of Facebook or whatever, we will not stay lose touch. touch. We'll stay in touch. We'll stay we'll in touch with you all. Yes, please, Mark. Could you put a link one more time to sign up to our list? And the other thing is as well is that what we do apparently have the volume is bad oh the volume is bad well because your microphone well we, is so i've got far the away. microphone so far away here's that a little bit better so far away well our technical division what can i say darling it's our technical division how is oh there we go it's also turned down a bit <laughs> there we go that's a bit better probably so can you um, please find the link yes the link we're going to find the link for you all mark have you put Marek, perhaps. Ah, oh, here we go. Camelot Castle TV Network. Click on that link there and you can then do it. And the other thing that you can do, there's another little place you can visit, which is... Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> that was Liani Dowding. Um, yes, here we go. This evening is sponsored by Camelot Castle, so if you would like to get a voucher to come and stay with us, and you can also visit 
Camelot Castle shop. Question now, from yes, question from Letitia Cash. Let us see, let us see, what is she saying? But, uh, where is it now? You can read it. I can't find it. Here. But John, isn't these billions for vaccines coming from Gates Philanthropy, not the taxpayer? No. Uh, we have, uh, as a government, put money into it, I believe. Gates put some money into it. But I think you've been paying for it too. You'll have to look I at think who donated when they get, what. When they get rolled out. When I know, I think that our government has put money towards it. Uh, you know, many different governments have donated, as I understand. I may have it wrong, but I don't think so. Um, so there we go. So you Mark can, put you the link. That. That's great. Oh, there we go. Yes, Camelot Castle shop. And that is where you can get your thing. And a few of you asked to see um, the recent advertisement for Mappin and Webb. A few of you enjoyed that. So I'm going to see if I can play that for you again this is our family company and the reason I liked it the only reason I thought to play it is a I thought it was very nicely done but it also encourages us all to get back to normality and um, you know it's something that our family started in 1775 a year before America was founded so we'll just play you that before we go
well, that was a little advert that uh, uh, basically I think, you know, it shows life getting back to normal now. You had a point you wanted to make, darling. What point? About Dr. Sherry Tempenny. Yes, yes, I had a point. I think Dr. Sher Dr. Tempenny, I think it would be really good if we could fund her research, if we could find maybe somebody, maybe there's a philanthropist watching or maybe you know somebody who would like to sponsor her research because i think she is doing incredible work protecting our children protecting the future and if she could be supported that would be an incredible contribution to mankind i completely agree and you know she is doing god's work and there's something about getting behind somebody that is doing god's work and it brings you luck and i am convinced that if there is somebody out there that is a serious philanthropist that would like to get behind dr tenpenny do get in touch with her because i think it could be one of the most positive philanthropies that this world has seen and the leverage on it is really really key mm. but anyway we will see you soon and I will leave you with the outro, as we call it. Thank you so much. Good night. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.